you know, was fortunate to have a lot of success in the game. Uh, but the biggest part of things is how many people can associate with my story and the fact that life doesn't always play out as you want it to. And sometimes there's struggles and perseverance that you have to have along the way to ultimately accomplish your goal. So um, through all those ups and downs, uh, finally got uh, that second chance in the league and, and was fortunate to uh, to turn it into a pretty good career and uh, finishing up just a couple years ago by uh, being selected into the Hall of Fame. Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. Today, we talk with two men who followed their dreams in the world of sports and how God guided them in His timing to exactly where they needed to be to fulfill His purposes. Hall of Fame quarterback Kurt Warner and CBS sports personality James Brown. Kurt Warner's dream of playing in the NFL didn't come as soon as he expected. A series of twists and turns left him wondering if he would ever achieve his goals. When he finally did see his dream come to light, he was able to look back and see how God was preparing him, not only athletically, but spiritually as well. You know, what a lot of people recognize about me is not so much uh, what I did on the field, but the kind of journey that got me there. Uh, a guy that uh, had the dream, like most kids, to play in the National Football League and uh, and be a superstar and all of that stuff. But got a little sidetracked in college, uh, sat on the bench for four years in college, got cut from my first NFL team, found myself working in a grocery store um, before trying to get back into football, playing arena football and in Europe. And um, you know, got my second chance in the league at, at 28 years old. I grew up in Iowa, I'm a Midwest kid. Uh, you know, small little town, um, small home, didn't have a whole lot. But there were a lot of things that built my foundation, um, you know, growing up the way that I did. I, I grew up in a single parent household. My parents were divorced when I was very young. Uh, I have a relationship with both mom and dad, but was raised with my mom uh, and one brother. Um, so we were very close. We had a great relationship. Um, faith was a part of my life, even though it wasn't uh, necessarily the thing that drove me. I was more driven by sports than I was by faith growing up. You know, it really took shape when I met the woman that would eventually be my wife. Um, she was very grounded in her faith. And uh, me being an athlete, you know, I was obviously trying to play college football. Things weren't going well. I was sitting on the bench. And, and really in a, in a point in time in my life when I was very frustrated uh, because things weren't playing out the way that I wanted them to. Uh, and my roommate was a big, you know, country music fan. And so uh, by the same token, he kind of drugged me out to a country bar and said, okay, we're gonna get out, we're gonna get away from uh, you know, all this stuff that's kind of holding you down and we're just gonna live life and see where it takes us. And it was at that country bar um, doing what they call a, a barn dance, um, which a lot of people don't know what that is. And you do this sort of dance, um, you know, 10, 15 seconds with one girl and then you kind of rotate to the next girl and you just kind of go around the circle and it's just, kind of an all-inclusive, uh, everybody kind of dancing with everybody type situation. And we ended up finishing the barn dance, dancing together. And we started up a conversation. Um, we ended up dancing the rest of the night. Um, and that's where the relationship started. And so I, I went over there, uh, actually the next day, uh, you know, she, had, she was friends with um, you know, someone that was uh, a friend of someone close to me. And so went over to her house and, and I met her kids and um, you know, we always joked that, that I fell in love with the kids first. Um, 
And, you know, that was kind of the coolest thing is that uh, got a chance to, to meet her in her life. You know, I think there was just something unique and special about those moments where I got a chance to just see her as mom and I got a chance to see her as Brenda and not anything else and not any preconceived ideas about, you know, divorced mother of two and thinking about all that, but just let me just get to know who you are and let me get to know your kids and let me get to know what this relationship would look like um, if we were to continue it. And as I said, the further I went into it, the more and more intrigued I was, the more enthralled I was with who she was and the life that she had lived and what she had overcome and the strength that she projected. Um, you know, fell in love with the kids, like I said, um, especially Zachary, who was three and a half at the time, had suffered a traumatic brain injury when he was four months old. So he was legally blind and, you know, was able to build a relationship with him that, again, you know, beautiful part of that is he doesn't see you, he doesn't know anything about you. All he knows is how you treat him and what that relationship is like. But uh, once again, it just allowed me to see life from a completely different perspective. And that to me was, you know, one of the greatest uh, times of my life, even though you might look on the outside and go, well, things weren't all going in your favor. I think she came to realize that the best way to get me to really look internally at where my faith was and where my relationship was, was to challenge me. She would challenge me oftentimes, okay, you believe that. Where does it say that in the Bible? Or, um, you know, open up your Bible and, and tell me, you know, where the crux of, of what you believe and what you think this faith life is all about. And so it was at that point in time, I was probably 25, 26 years old, again, with the challenging of my wife and my friends. and. Um, you know, and my wife's parents were actually killed in a tornado right around this time. Um, you know, so there was a lot of things going on around me and it was through that sequence of events, I kind of watched my wife and I watched what, you know, she'd always talked about this relationship and in the midst of, you know, one of the most devastating incidents in her life, uh, watching her kind of wade her way through that and, uh, get angry, but never, uh, to the point where she turned away from God, just asking questions. And, um, you know, it was amazing because it was like she was having a relationship with God very much like I had a relationship with her. And I never really saw God in that way before. You know, I kind of looked at God as, as kind of a spare tire where, you know, he was in the back of the car and you never really think about him until you need him. And then you need him and it's like, oh, you know, can you get me out of this jam? Can you help me with this? You know, this is my dream. Can you make this happen? It was almost like a genie that I could just, you know, rub the bottle and, and he would answer whatever wish that I had. And then he would go back in and I'd go live my life until I needed him again. And so it was through all these incidents and, and during that period of time um, where I came to really see and understand that my life was really about what God wanted me to do and not the opposite. You know, it wasn't I'm going to live my life and then God's here to help me do what I wanted to do that it was exactly the opposite. And it was about having a relationship and talking every day and being able to be open with whatever your feelings were. And I had never really seen things that way before. And so it opened my eyes uh, to a new place. And for me wanting to have something different with my faith relationship with, with God and with Jesus. And it was at that time where I really kind of put my faith in him and uh, turned my life from just uh, you know, a Sunday type thing, or as I said, a spare tire type thing to an everyday relationship with him. There was a lot of deliberation between both of us on 
what does the future look like? And, um, you know, there were times that I thought, man, is it time to give this up and, uh, and get, you know, quote unquote, a real job? Um, and there were times I think she was wondering the same thing, like, is this going to be able to sustain us? How long can this last? You playing arena football or bouncing around? I went to Europe shortly after uh, we were married for three months to try to fulfill the dream. And so uh, there were a lot of conversations about what the future was going to look like. Um, and, you know, never at any point in time did she discourage me from chasing my dream. You know, we had to wrestle with that a lot. And the good thing was is that she was willing to do and we were willing to, to make it work if I really felt like it was the way that I needed to go or that I could still chase that dream or I had to at least try a little bit longer. Um, you know, and I guess we're, we're fortunate that, you know, it was a couple years after we're married when I got my second chance in the NFL. So we didn't have to wait long. You know, so our, our faith played a huge part in being able to kind of wrestle with some of those tough issues. Um, and believe in one another and believe in where we were and that uh, no matter which way we chose, A, God would be with us and B, we would find a way to, uh, to make it work between us. When I finally did get to the NFL, I was so grounded in who I was and what I believed in and what I wanted to accomplish and what this platform of the NFL was all about. When I was 21, 22, I wanted people to wear my jerseys. I wanted my face to be on TV. Um, you know, I wanted to make a lot of money. You know, all that sort of worldly stuff is all I was really chasing after. Um, when I did finally get there, it was so much bigger than that. It was how can I use this to inspire and impact other people? You know, how can I use this to, to impact people for, for Jesus and, you know, have a lasting impact on the lives and hearts of people? It's amazing. You know, the Bible tells us that God works all things together for good of those who are called according to his purpose. You know, I just remember thinking, well, this sounds really good, but what in the heck does that mean as you're going through, you know, all these trials and these struggles and all these speed bumps in life? And it's amazing that oftentimes I don't think we really understand that verse until we're five years removed or we're 10 years removed and we can look back and go, aha, now I see what God was doing there. And now I see how he worked that together for good. And that's very much how I look at, at you know, my career and my journey. I can't tell you how many times I, you know, sit back and go, why me? You know, why couldn't I have been the top draft pick? You know, why couldn't it have been easy for me? Why did I have to go through all these hoops and go through all these struggles to get to that point? Um, and then I look back now and I ask the same question, like, why me? God, why did you choose me for this story that no one else will ever have? You know, this unique story that has a chance to impact more people because of the journey um, than anything accomplished on the field. And I think so often, um, you know, even when we're doing devotionals and even when we're trying to connect to God, um, he just seems so far away, you know, that we're, we're trying to uh, bring light to him or, or bring a voice to him, um, you know, through the words of other people. And that's actually how um, I heard about Jesus calling the first time it is um, somebody sent me a copy of it um, and said, hey, check this out. This is a devotional that's a little bit different than uh, probably what you've used up to this point. Uh, give it a shot. And, you know, that's been a huge blessing in all of this as well. And it's gone a long way in helping me with my faith journey 
as I've been challenged by different things and encouraged by different things. And that's the crazy thing is when you have a journey, um, you know, there's so many things that, um, you know, that connect to you. And so actually one of the things, I actually had this marked uh, in Jesus Calling actually to my birthday, June 22nd. I'm just gonna read a little bit of this because it's my birthday and so it spoke to me. Um, you know, but it just starts out by saying, thank me for the very things that are troubling you. And, um, and I just think that that first line, uh, when you look back at my journey, and you know, so often, you know, you're going through all these trials and struggles and I'm just going, you know, God, why? You know, wh why am I going through all these things? It was much later um, where I came to the point where it was like, hey God, thank, thanks for all those things. You know, thanks for all those tr troubles and trials and struggles that I went through because it really shaped who I was and shaped my journey. But it says, thank me for the very things that are troubling you. Thankfulness awakens you to my presence, which overshadows all your problems. And just again, to me, it, it hits home because it's my birthday, uh, but it's my journey. And I think it's so many of our journeys is that, you know, we'd like to think that life's going to be perfect and everything's going to work out in our favor and, and everything's going to be roses, even when we commit our life to Jesus and, and we try to walk by faith. But I think what life tells us is that there's a lot of things going on in this world and there's a lot of people and there's a lot of forces working against what we're trying to accomplish that there are going to be struggles and there are going to be trials. And it's amazing to, uh, to step back and go, you know, God, I don't know what you're doing in the midst of this trial, but thank you for it because I know in this you are going to do something that's unique and special, whether it's for me personally, whether it's, you know, from a big picture. Um, and again, you know, I could look at this and, you know, I know my wife went through these same sorts of feelings when her, uh, you know, three-month-old son suffered a traumatic brain injury. And here she is looking at this child and going, are you kidding me? You know, this child was perfect and I had these huge dreams and now all of that's been, been changed. And I don't know how to raise a child with disabilities. I don't know what his future is. I don't know how to dream and pray. And I think it's so easy to get angry and go, God, why? Why this? Why me? Why him? Um, and here we are, you know, 30 years later, he just turned 30 um, a couple weeks ago. Here we are 30 years later, and it's been his inspiration that not only has created the people that we are within our family, but has allowed us to be able to create Treasure House and create a new model and to impact the lives of other families that have children with disabilities. And you know, it would have been so easy to just get mad and angry and turn away from God as opposed to um, somehow, some way, in the midst of it, and, and you know, just as it is, says here, can feel awkward and contrive. Like, how in the world can I sit here and thank God for, you know, my child that's been injured? And you know, oftentimes I don't think it's always God's will um, that some of those things happen in our lives. But I do believe God can work it together for good. And so uh, I think that was a huge part of this entire journey was developing that relationship with Zach and seeing the kind of impact that Zach had on our family and on the people around him. You know, he always wanted to drive. You know, I can remember from the time he was, you know, I first met him, you know, and, and he had like matchbox cars. And for some reason he fell in love uh, with cars. And, you know, he, he told me from a very young age, you know, I, when can I get my license? You know, I wanna grow up to be a black truck driver. 
You know, he wanted to drive a black truck for the rest of his life. That, you know, that was his goal and his dream. You know, and, and as a father, knowing that he's legally blind and there's really nothing that we can do about that, um, you know, to sit here and go, you know, you want to encourage your kids and you want to give them hope that they can fulfill their dreams and knowing, well, there's probably never going to be able to drive. Yet I would watch him, started with a matchbox car, and then, you know, he elevated uh, to one of those little battery-operated cars that, you know, you're on your driveway that, you know, go two miles per hour. And we were able to buy a, a riding lawnmower uh, from John Deere. And remember him just wanting to go out there and mow the lawn with me so he could sit on my lap and pretend like he was driving the John Deere tractor. Uh, you know, one point in time we were uh, out mowing the lawn and we had finished and uh, I was ready to go inside and, and grab something cold to drink. And he's like, Dad, can I just stay out here and, and sit on the tractor? And I'm like, yeah, no problem. And we had this little roundabout um, in our driveway at the time. And I said, I tell you what, Zach, you know, he, he, you know, he driven the, um, the tractor with me before where I've kind of let go and let him kind of control it. And he's very cautious. And I'm like, I tell you what, I'm going to go get something to drink and you can just drive this tractor around, uh, around this, you know, little circle here, you know, don't take it out into the woods or anything, but just stay in this little circle. And here he is for the first time all by himself, um, driving this little tractor with this smile on his face and just going, you know, we wanted to put all these limitations on him and what he can't do. And everybody wants to always say, this is what you can't do. Uh, instead of going, let's see what you can do. Let's see what the limits are. Let's see the kind of impact that you can have, regardless of how you might be different or regardless of what disabilities you may have. Let, let's see that. And so it was incidents like that throughout my life and relationship with Zach that just kept inspiring me, I think, in my journey uh, when everybody was telling me, you can't, you won't, you'll never get there, to go, well, let me just show you what I'm capable of. Quit looking at the fact that I worked in a grocery store, or I got cut, or I'm 27 years old. Why don't you look at what I can do? Um, and that was kind of the relationship that we had. And it just continued to progress as he accomplished one thing after another and graduated from high school. And it was at that point in time that we really went on this quest to create a community living facility for young men and women with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And uh, we wanted them to be around their peer group and we wanted them to be pushed um, to their limits. And we wanted them to be able to share their gifts and talents not only with those that were residents of, of Treasure House or, or this facility, but with the community as a whole. So it's been a long process, um, but about six, seven months ago, we opened our first Treasure House. Um, Zach was the first resident of, uh, of that facility. And now we're up to 10 or 11 residents with uh, another eight to 10 uh, on the docket within the year. And it has just been incredible to watch all these young men and women come together uh, to be able to, to create an environment uh, with peers and to have social interaction on a daily basis. And then to watch them go out into the, the community and impact the community. Now I'll always be thankful when things go against me because every time something goes against us, the first thing we wanna do is you know, scream out to God or, or blame God or blame someone else um, and having that constant reminder that, hold on, we've been here before and you've seen how God has taken something uh, that you think is horrific and made it into something unique and special and impactful. God was preparing me uh, as a football player. God was preparing me uh, as a Christian. He was preparing me as a husband 
as a father. He was preparing me to be able to handle all the stuff that would come my way, you know, the, the, the big contracts and the notoriety. And how do you handle that without slipping and falling and messing up your platform? Or more importantly, messing up the platform that you've created to be able to share Jesus with people. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, so often now I look back and go, gosh, thank, thank you for, for giving me the journey that I have because no one else will ever have that journey again. You can learn more about Kurt and his wife, Brenda's organization to help men and women with intellectual and developmental disabilities, Treasure House, by visiting treasurehouse.org. Stay with us for our next interview featuring the host of CBS's The NFL Today, James Brown, after this brief message about the Jesus Calling weekly prayer call. Did you know that Sarah Young, the author of Jesus Calling, prays for her readers each day? In that spirit, we want to extend the Jesus Calling prayer community out to you in a more personal way. Each Tuesday morning, you can dial into the Jesus Calling weekly prayer call, where the team from Jesus Calling and special guests will minister to us during a 10-minute call to reflect on that day's passage from Jesus Calling, read scripture references, and pray together for each other and our world. Prayer call times are 8 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Central, 6 a.m. Mountain, and 5 a.m. Pacific, and are for U.S. only. For more information on the Jesus Calling weekly prayer call or to submit prayer requests, please visit jesuscalling.com slash prayer dash call. Again, to join us in this community of prayer every Tuesday morning, please visit jesuscalling.com slash prayer dash call. Motherhood. It's a journey like no other, teeming with love, unparalleled dedication, and moments that pierce the very essence of your soul. It's a trek that demands to be celebrated, lauded, and embraced in its entirety. Celebrate the moms in your life this Mother's Day with two beautiful gift books, Jesus Calling for Moms by Sarah Young and Grace for the Moment for Moms by Max Licato. These heartfelt devotionals will remind the moms in your life just how special they are. Jesus Calling for Moms and Grace for the Moment for Moms are available now where all books are sold. During times of transition and unknown next steps, it's more important than ever to cling to the promises of God and to tune your ear to what Jesus has to say. Jesus Calling for Graduates is an encouraging compilation of 150 devotions from Sarah Young's brand. Grads will find topics such as discerning God's will, self-worth, trust, support, and much more. Jesus Calling for Graduates is perfect for both high school and college graduates as they embark on the next chapter. Look for our special custom edition of Jesus Calling for Graduates, available exclusively at faithgateway.com. James Brown is a minister and an American sportscaster, known for being the studio host of The James Brown Show, The NFL Today on CBS Sports, and Thursday Night Football on CBS Sports and The NFL Network. James' love of sports was evident in high school and later in college, where he was the captain of Harvard's basketball team. After college, his dreams of playing with a pro team weren't realized, so he dove into the corporate world. As he polished his speaking and presentation skills at companies like Kodak and Xerox, James was offered a job in broadcasting, which ultimately led him into his sportscasting career. James found the success he was looking for, but he yearned for something more. 
He prayed that God would reveal himself and that if he did, James would serve him. James shares how the journey to know God more deeply changed the course of his life. Mother Brown gave me the biggest challenge in the world, naming me James Brown, growing up in a time when, of course, the godfather of soul was, was Mr. Music Everywhere. So there was a lot of burden and pressure on me to try to live up to that, which um, inspired me to try to find something that was uniquely my own because Lord knows I can't sing. We affectionately called her the sergeant. Mom was only about five feet, five inches tall, but boy, she carried a big stick. And when she spoke, she meant what she said. She said what she meant. So we saluted the sergeant and got things done. She had a spirit of excellence in everything that she did. Come from a family of five. Uh, I'm the oldest of five, four boys and one girl. My mother and father went home to be with the Lord. Um, at tender ages, my father was only 46 years of age when he passed from stomach cancer. My mom was at the tender age of 72. Um, both were saved and I'm so very thankful for that. They both were high school graduates, but I love to say they had PhDs in drive, determination, uh, and uh, the, the objective of seeing us live a better life, a more fulfilling life than they did. As a child, uh, there was no real faith foundation. We weren't churchgoers. We were probably more typical of a lot of folks who aren't saved, wanting to be good people, standing on principles of team orientation, being a good citizen, helpful neighbor, uh, seeing the best in people, and all those things are fine. But the seed was planted when I was in elementary school and I'm dusting off the cobwebs, and as much as I could not remember about elementary school, I do remember about a five-minute radio broadcast when, before I left out the door to walk to elementary school. It was on the radio, and the gentleman's name was David Eaton, a minister. And he always had words or a little sermonette that was so encouraging. I may not have understood it all, but along with his soothing voice, and maybe not even consciously understanding the topic or the principles that he was imparting to us, it seemed to just fit a God-sized hole in me. But it would be many years later when that would be watered. It wasn't until middle school when uh, I was playing baseball with a Catholic youth organization, even though I, was, uh, belong I belonged to a non-denominational church, but I played in the CYO League had a little baseball skill, but the big time high school successful basketball coach in our area, Morgan Wooten, a well-known name in sports circles, um, came to watch the baseball team play. And I just happened to have a real good stretch of success where I was smacking home run after home run. And he asked me if I would consider coming to this powerhouse Catholic high school in the Washington DC area, suburban Maryland, called DeMatha Catholic High School. I was absolutely astounded that he would be interested in me. However, during the summer, I went to his basketball camp and found out that I had raw talent and potential there and worked diligently. And there are a lot of biblical principles that I can certainly extract from looking at my trajectory uh, in my life and all the component aspects of it. And I just, I just grew by leaps and bounds in terms of my basketball talent. And our team did exceedingly well. 
uh, my entire four years there at DeMatha, including winning a couple of national championships. And then I came to the attention of um, major colleges as a result of that. But a key point about my playing for coach Morgan Wooten and the success with that high school basketball team was this. He stressed that those of us playing for him had to have four priorities in place. And they were and are even still today uh, just tweaked to reflect um, being in a work environment. God had to be first, family second, then school, then your sport. God, family, school, then sports. And I remember many, many, uh, not too many years ago, it was about five years ago, six years ago, I went to interview Coach Wooden for a 60-minute sports piece, and I thought to ask him, Coach, why were those priorities so important? And he said, if I had young men that had those four priorities, I knew that I had winners in the game of life, and that would translate very well to the sport of basketball. And that made an indelible impression on me, so I've tried to pass that same lesson on to youngsters. And so then I came to the attention of a number of major colleges uh, that offered me athletic scholarships, big-time basketball schools, UCLA, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, et cetera. But I remember watching on TV, and I was fascinated when I saw Senator, of course he wasn't then, Senator Bill Bradley playing for Princeton University, and they were in the NCAA tournament. And I'm thinking, man, that is awesome. As much as my parents are driving home, the mantra of academic excellence being the key to success in the game of life, going to an Ivy League school would be just perfect, and maybe even Princeton because I so was fascinated with how well that team did going deep into the NCAA tournament and even a couple of African-American ball players who played at Columbia, Jimmy McMillan who played with the old Los Angeles Lakers uh, and Hayward Dotson. And I'm thinking, wow, well that's the answer right there to marry academics and athletics. And I said to myself, if I could get into an Ivy League school, that's what I want to do. So I desired to go to an Ivy League or at least a good school. And I remember going into my high school basketball coach's office one day and I saw a letter on his desk. If it had been from Princeton, I would have pursued that, but the letter was from Harvard. And I said, if I can get into Harvard, that's where I want to go. And indeed, I had to really prove to the admissions committee that I was a worthy student. I wasn't the best standardized test taker, but no one was going to outwork me in the classroom. I was the uh, class uh, president and uh, certainly worked hard diligently to become a better student uh, in all the key areas. And that's what uh, led me to be blessed to be accepted uh, uh, at Harvard. It's like shortly thereafter, I get a letter from the great UCLA basketball coach, John Wooden. And I said, oh my gosh, this is UCLA, winner of 10 national championships. John Wooden, are you kidding me? I said, mom, I've got to go visit UCLA. And this is the only time she stepped in to be dictatorial. She said, no, if you shaking your hand, if you shook the hand of the coach and the admissions officer at Harvard, and you looked them in the eye and gave them your words, you're coming there, you need to be a man of your word. That is where you're going to school. And that was one of the best lessons in life that I learned. There is absolutely no regret that I have doing exactly what my mother said, which was correct. 
And that lesson has served me well throughout the game of life. And if I had it to do all over again, I absolutely would do the same thing, even though the story is things did not work out as well in terms of the athletic success, um, in, the, in terms of the athletic success that we should have enjoyed and been tremendous. I mean, we were the subject of a number of articles nationally with the talent that Harvard had attracted there and big things were expected of us. Freshmen couldn't play on the varsity team, so this was during the era where freshmen had to play on the freshman team and we were voted, selected the second best freshman team in the country. So excitement was high at Harvard and there are a number of reasons why it didn't materialize. So when I look back on the collegiate experience and talk to people, while we should have been one of the best college basketball teams in the country, you know, I'm taking responsibility because I didn't lead the way. I wasn't well grounded in leadership principles that are based in the Bible. Nehemiah is the book of the Bible that Coach Tony Dungy studied for two years when it took him forever, it seemed, to get his first head coaching job in the NFL. He and his team chaplain spent two years studying leadership principles in the book of Nehemiah. And look at what it did for him as you look and are encouraged by other examples around you that here he goes on to win the Super Bowl, becoming as the world focused on him being the first African-American to win the Super Bowl, his focus was on showing the world that success at the highest levels, more importantly in the game of life, are absolutely guaranteed if you employ, internalize, and execute biblical principles, doing it the Lord's way. And I certainly look at what I do in my professional life as, um, uh, the host of the NFL Today or any other show that I may do as being um, um, a meaningful contributor to the effectual, fervent, effectual working of the body. Uh, but I didn't think that I would be a leader. I certainly wasn't aiming to do that because one of the painful lessons I learned in corporate America, I was to be given a speech a presentation before my colleagues at Xerox, and I hadn't done my homework. And this is a very elementary lesson, but a, uh, a powerful one and a profound one. Many things that are very simple are really profound uh, and leave an indelible impression, the life-changing influence. And I wasn't prepared, and I'm standing up in front of my colleagues who are very sharp salespeople, and it was abundantly clear that I was shallow in my presentation because I had not done the homework. Um, and I vowed to never allow that to happen again. So to the degree that I'm prepared for anything, then I'm okay getting up to speak. Certainly in sales, I had to demonstrate the line of zero graphic equipment that we were marketing to the public. So there was some comfort there. And I can see now that I'm answering this question, how that also prepared me to be a minister of the gospel, how to give a sermon, if you will, in churches and be able to speak in various um, environments. So those principles certainly pay dividends, those experiences paid dividends in building that comfort level to be able to do what I'm now doing for the Lord. So I was about 24 years of age when my father passed away, and I was not aware that he did not know the Lord. I certainly wasn't saved at that time, um, so I didn't know, but my sister, who is steeped in the Word, she's the middle child, she made me aware that my father had a deathbed conversion when she visited him in the hospital before he passed away. 
she um, led him in the salvation prayer. So as of course, as I've become a Christian, I am just thrilled to know that. And uh, my father made it clear to all of us, especially the four boys, to take good care of mom as much as she was the one taking care of us. So around the time that my father went home to be with the Lord, I remember coming home from some executive training with the Xerox Corporation. Uh, I was in, in sales and sales management. And uh, I remember coming up a lonely road and I was thinking, boy, you know what, this lifestyle, yeah, you're a successful salesperson, you're driving around a nice little sports car, little Corvette, got my own apartment, nice clothes, you go to happy hours, which is what the world says. I mean, that's supposed to be success. And there was an emptiness and I just, said to the Lord on that lonely road coming up by myself around 11 o'clock at night, God, I know who you are, but I don't really, I know about you, but I don't know you. If you would reveal yourself to me, I'll serve you. And that began a 12 year search for a good word teaching church. And after about that 12 years, I did find a good word teaching church. Uh, Bishop Clarence Givens, who founded Rama Christian Center Church here in Washington, D.C., and boy, did a whole new world open up to me because he was a phenomenal teacher in breaking down the word, bite-sized morsels, for the purpose of understanding, embracing, and then being obedient to it. I uh, have been blessed to be a professional broadcaster, heaven, since about 1982. Two, my goodness gracious, and at the network level since about 1986. Uh, started first with CBS Sports. I was there for 10 years, then went over to Fox Sports, uh, co-hosted the NFL, actually the Fox NFL Sunday show with Terry Bradshaw, Jimmy Johnson, and Howie Long for 12 years. Then came back to CBS, and I've been there since 2006. I've been blessed to host a number of Super Bowls and major sports, including the Winter Olympics, NBA championships, NCAA championships. So the Lord has truly blessed me to do a variety of sports. And I'm also quite thrilled to be a special correspondent for CBS News because my interests are varied. So it's pretty clear that the Lord has me um, in the workplace as my ministry platform, which I thoroughly enjoy. Uh, I am thrilled to be an ordained minister um, uh, with my church, and uh, I'm even more excited with all of the ministry work that I'm doing, whether it's speaking and conducting a men's seminar at the Billy Graham Training Center in Asheville, North Carolina, uh, speaking at the men's conference at Karis Bible College as a part of the Andrew Womack Ministries, uh, at a number of churches around the country. So that I'm really excited about doing. I consider what I do in my professional life as my avocation. My vocation is about the business of God. So I am truly on fire and love it. And I'm so excited about that, which is why learning and spending time in his word daily, and certainly the Jesus Calling devotional has been instrumental in that, you know, it, it fulfills that which is in scripture, which says to seek me early, seek God early before the day starts. As a matter of fact, in the Jesus Calling devotional, one of the things that resonates so strongly with me, one of those daily readings said to basically seek me early before the doorbell starts ringing, before the phone starts ringing with business calls, before difficulties or challenges that the day will present. If you start off with me, internalize my word, embrace it, 
I will see you through. And coming from the corporate environment, I'm so accustomed to being a type A personality that maps out my day from A to Z. And after reading that one daily devotional in Jesus Calling about seeking him first and being conscious of his presence daily, allowing him to set the priorities of the day, as I looked at my tendency to map out the day from A to Z, trying to anticipate every conceivable challenge that might come, Jesus was basically saying, hey, wait a minute, where am I in this process? I mean, you're doing all this, and we know, I think it's Proverbs 16, 9, that many are the plans and devices of men, but the purpose of the Lord is that which will be fulfilled. So this has really helped me. Uh, it's been a little, a little different um, relying on uh, not myself to map things out, but boy, has it worked out a whole lot better. Mm -hmm. What that brings to mind in terms of all the varied opportunities that the Lord has given me outside of the traditional sports that I played, things that were off the beaten path, going to climb Mount Kilimanjaro with a number of special mm -hmm. Olympians where the Olympians, those special Olympians wanted to show the world they were just as success-driven as able-bodied athletes and wanted to be appreciated. Those human interest stories really pique my interest. So doing a story on an Italian couple out of Grand Island, New York, that were going over through their church, sponsored by their church, to adopt kids who were victims of the Chernobyl nuclear disaster who were staying at an orphanage and they were going over to adopt a young boy who was a double amputee, but when they got to the orphanage, they realized that there was a young girl who was protecting him from some of the other kids who were bullying him. She was a single amputee below her knee her name was Tanya, and she was protecting him, and the family realized they couldn't just take him without her, so they adopted both of them. But it showed the, 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 the human spirit and how people were overcoming, and people were champions at, at all levels of society. I love telling those kinds of stories mm -hmm. that will encourage us because there's so much news that is enough to make you feel that the world is just a terrible place. So I look for with my producers to find those kind of stories to stem the tide of activities by those engaging in aberrant behavior that get most of the attention as opposed to the good news stories that are out there that we can learn something uh, from and learn about others and hopefully speak to and pique the interest to our better selves. So even though in the work environment, you may not find me running around beating people over the head with the Bible, I pray that I am modeling God's word with all the characteristics being displayed in terms of what I do. I am blessed to be around some people who are doing some very significant and major things. And as opposed to having a human limited worldly perspective like, Gosh, I'd like to get some of that credit and why not, you know, me, can I go? Do no, no, no. God has got each of us placed right where he wants us. So let's maximize that lane, that sphere of influence where we are because we are in effect a part of the human body. And that little finger plays just as big a role as your head or your kneecap or any other part of the body, your heart, in terms of contributing, you know, mightily for him. I'm excited when I look back over how long the Lord has blessed me to be doing what it is I'm doing, but also to expand the horizons beyond the world of sports, which I love, and that's where my equity is, and I think there's some great sports um, to cover, 
great lessons to be learned in the world of sports, some great people doing some good things in sports. I am so very thankful for invaluable tools in age like Jesus Calling, because just as I come from the athletic environment, and I believe again that all truth is parallel, what's true in the natural is true in the supernatural. The principle that applies in the game of life certainly is a principle in the world of faith. And athletes, even though they're elite level athletes, they still practice every day, internalizing, sharpening, crafting their tools by practicing the same fundamentals so that they don't have to think about it when they're on the field of competition. They just react because it's internalized. To me, it's the same principle with preparing by studying the Word of God on a daily basis to understand those key scriptures that will arm us and equip us for the day ahead so that when a situation occurs, no matter what, if it's something that's awesome, we know in 1 Thessalonians 5, I believe it's uh, verse 8 that says, uh, in everything we are to give thanks because it is God who blesses us. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. But even when we encounter challenges and difficulties, God lets us know in his word and many scriptures, certainly Deuteronomy 31, 6, uh, Hebrews 13 and 5, I believe, where God says that he will never leave us nor forsake us, that he's always a present help in a time of need. So why wouldn't we be diligent about studying his word, renewing our minds daily, growing in progressive understanding of his word so that we can live this life successfully and be champions, not just in the world of sports, but most importantly, champions in the game of life because ultimately the prize that we all want is to have our name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's the biggest joy, the biggest crown that we will get. You can watch James Brown on the NFL Today on CBS, in addition to his roles as a reporter and host for other programs. To see James Brown's interviews with a variety of sports figures and other personalities, visit thejamesbrownshow.com. If you enjoy inspirational stories featuring athletes, check out our interview with NFL linebacker Mark Herslick. Next time on the Jesus Calling Podcast, we visit with Pastor Erwin McManus. Erwin is an artist, writer, and cultural thought leader known for his integration of creativity and spirituality. He is the founder and lead pastor of Mosaic, a Los Angeles-based church of faith recognized as one of America's most influential and innovative churches. I'm convinced that the reason we're created in the image of God, and the evidence for that is that we're imagined by God to imagine, and we're created by God to create. Do you love hearing these stories of faith weekly from people like you whose lives have been changed by a closer walk with God? Then be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Calling Stories of Faith podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a review so that we can reach others with these inspirational stories. And you can also see these interviews on video as part of our original web series with a new interview premiering every other Sunday on Facebook Live. Find previously broadcast interviews on our YouTube channel on IGTV or on JesusCalling.com slash video.